Hello everyone, this year I'm very thankful for another episode of Weg Fans, the semi-regular podcast dedicated to, but unaffiliated with, a controversial grocery store in America, Wegmans. Welcome to Wake Fans. With me, as always, is the Twitter thread of my heart, John Servico. Oh, Marcelo, you are far, far too kind, as always. So, we just had Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? You know, it was uh, it was as good as a socially distant Thanksgiving could be. It was just my wife and I. We had ordered uh, we had ordered from a local barbecue place. A Thanksgiving in a box type situation. You get a smoked turkey? We got, yeah, we got smoked turkey, uh, Texas toast stuffing, mashed sweet potatoes, green bean casserole, uh, the whole, the whole nine yards for a pretty good price. And, uh, yeah, you know, we just called, called our families that morning and watched, I think it was the 30 Rock Marathon. I think it started that day. So we watched, you know, 30 Rock and ate a bunch of, uh, ate a bunch of Thanksgiving barbecue. So, I can't complain too much. How about you, Marcelo? Oh, it was pretty uneventful. We tried to take a family photo with uh, two dogs and a cat, and using a uh, tripod, it was did not go well. But uh, we eventually got a family photo done, and then we ate Caribbean-style food that we made because we decided to switch it up. Mm. And then we watched Happiest Season on Hulu, which was very enjoyable. Is that the new Kristen Stewart movie? Yeah. With Oh, nice. It was good? Yeah, you know, it was delightful. So will it give the third man a run for one of the best movies ever made? No. But did I laugh and get almost slightly misty-eyed during one part? Yes. And you know what? It doesn't it doesn't need to. That's the thing. I always whenever I think about like movies or I think about food, I think about it in terms of like weight class. Like like a boxer. Happiest season is not in the same weight class as Raiders of the Lost Ark or Citizen Kane or something like that. But it's not supposed to be. You know, you're not putting in you're not putting in a hundred and eighteen pound wrestler against Mike Tyson in his prime. So, you know, the goal is for every movie or you know, for any fast food meal, I want it to know what it is and deliver on what it is. And then I'm happy. All right, so now it's time for Wig News. Wig News! Wig News! All right, John. Uh, this is the news that I didn't want to report, but I guess we have to talk about it. So, for those of you who may not know, Wegmans was in the news this week. A reporter from Auburn, New York, uh, Robert Harding, started a Twitter thread where he stated that the he just kind of, I think it's sometimes it seems like reporters, they don't have time to report something or or don't have the resources to. They'll just be like, well, here's here's all I have on this topic. And you talk about it, Internet. So Robert Harding put it out there that the one store he gets asked about the most in the Cayuga County, which is in up upstate New York, 
is the one uh, story gets asked about the most is Wegmans. You know, he gets a lot of reports from people saying that Wegmans is not enforcing their mask rule. Uh, there, there was also an issue with uh, Wegmans getting preferential treatment from the Cayuga County Board of Health. Normally, when you're found to be in violation of uh, not enforcing the mask mandate, what happens is that you have to sign a consent order saying that you are at fault and then you pay a $50 fine. But sort of the consent order, the fine is with the consent order. And it seems that Wegmans just paid the fine but did not sign the consent order. So potentially they could have paced a stiffer penalty but did not receive one. So that's, and then that started like wildfire, you know, as far as a Wegmans uh, news story gets called like goes wild. So it's gone minorly viral, like uh, allergies. If it's not viral, what is it? Allergies? It went allergies on the internet. It is a high pollen count. And uh, yeah, that's what all people are talking. So you've had a chance to take a look at it. What what are your thoughts on it, John? Yeah, yeah, I did. And this, uh, you know, friend of mine kind of sent this to me and said, you know, hey, you have a podcast about Wegmans. What's what's this all about? Can you talk about this? And so my first uh, my my first objective was to try to find some additional sources, some other reporting about it so that I wasn't just relying on this one source, but I couldn't find anything. So I kind of have to take what Robert Harding posted on Twitter as, as the full story. Uh, yeah, this is a real, real bad situation. And, you know, the issue is, I think, on a on a high level, the issue reflects what business owners, business managers have to deal with all around the country, which is, do we enforce mask orders? What are the problems with enforcing a mask order versus what are the problems with not enforcing a mask order? Now, we know the problems associated with not enforcing a mask order, which is a rapid spread of a disease that can kill you. The other side of that, though, is there are some business owners, business managers that believe that the level of harassment that customers would give to employees if that employee told them to put on a mask is, in in the calculus of some of them, equal to the threat of the virus. And that is uh, a really, really, really crappy side effect of masks becoming a political thing. So, yeah, I mean, that's my first take on it. I could go on and on and on, but, you know, I think this is indicative of a really, really big problem in a country that has politicized a deadly virus. I am, at the same time, empathetic, and at the same time, intolerant of of Wegman's actions here, if it is true. So their policy seems to be that if a customer comes to Wegman's without a mask on, that person is then offered a mask to use and asked to use a mask. But at no point are they taking the stance of refusing entrance to someone who's not wearing a mask or refusing to check someone out of, of, of line who has, that's, that's not the right way to say it, but, you know, the, basically, they don't go as far as refusing service as someone who wears a mask. And we all saw those videos of uh, people 
Ooh, I I, rec- I distinctly remember this one. It was like this really this really jacked younger guy, younger than me. You know, it could be in his thirties, could be his twenties. I don't remember. And he was at Costco, and an older lady was talking to him to please put on a mask. And then a Costco employee walks over, and the person just like roid rages out. He and and it was really gross because he was using the language of victimhood mm-hmm. when he was this super jacked guy yelling at people it's like i don't feel safe stay away from me bro stay away from me bro i don't feel safe i feel triggered you know like just roiding out when all it is is like an old lady and an employee saying sir could you please put on a mask yeah he was he was saying those things so that he could say he said them after he got into a fist fight and they took him to court like that's that that's what he was doing i mean that was my take because it's a fairly popular video um yeah. Famous. I don't want to say popular. That has positive connotations. Yeah. But yeah, Infinite, I mean, that's maybe. that's the math. I think that's the math that businesses have to contend with is do they want what would they rather have? What would they rather be an active contributor to the spread of a virus or the site of an assault? And I hate, hate so desperately that that's where we are. I mean, if it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a Wegmans apologist at all. Just because I like getting groceries and prepared food somewhere doesn't mean I will take a bullet for them making an absolutely horrendous decision. Uh, what I'm, you know, they, according to the Robert Harding Twitter, one of the lines is uh, these people, that is to say his sources are the people that he's, he's talked to, tell me the same thing. A Wegmans employee or management responds with some variation of there is nothing we can do. And that is to say, like, if someone walks up to a Wegmans employee or management and says, hey, there's, you know, some some jerk in the milk section that's not wearing a mask, they would say, well, there's nothing we could do instead of, oh, you know what, we're going to take care of that. You know what, let's let, let's go give him a mask right now and tell him to wear it. Uh, that's what, frankly, should happen in literally all circumstances. But the calculus of whoever made that decision decided on something else completely. And it is just so, so crushingly disappointing, especially considering the reputation that Wegmans has as an employer, as an active member of the business communities of wherever it is. You know, Wegmans is held to an incredibly high standard. It's seen as one of these paragons of how to treat employees how to d- deliver value to customers. Um, you know, we, we, I feel like we spend a, a minute or two every episode talking about some new list that Wegmans is on saying that it is an exemplar of some business process or some employee satisfaction survey. So, you know, th- this, for me, this is the equivalent of seeing Tom Hanks being in the news for getting into a fist fight at a bar. Like, this just seems so out of character. But, you know, the way I try to think about it is, you know, it's easy to look at a company and say, okay, this company is a single entity. If one middle manager somewhere makes a decision, that decision is now kind of washed over all of Wegmans. So the thing that I really want to know is who ultimately was the decider in that situation? That says, okay, our policy is the there is nothing we can do policy. Was it a store manager? Was it someone in regional management? Was it someone at the national office? Like who was well, here, the let person? Me, I, yeah, uh, it, it, it's the top. 
Here's, here's Wegman's statement that they put out after this went viral. Customers are required to wear a face covering while shopping in our stores in accordance with applicable local or state mandates. Anyone who enters our stores without a mask is approached by one of our people and offered a free mask. Through ongoing monitoring, we continue to see 99% compliance with the mask mandates from our customers. Thank you for all who voluntarily comply. What's missing from that statement? Uh, what is missing is what happens when people who when people do not voluntar- voluntarily comply. What's missing is what is the intervention step on that 1%. Yeah. So it seems like it's like, hey, wear a mask. Are you sure? Well, this is America. Yeah. I, you I know, mean, I, I seem to go into restaurants that have signs that say, no shirt, no shoes, no service. So it definitely is part of the American consciousness that you can reser- refuse service to a customer. Yeah, it's 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 baked in. There are there's legal precedents everywhere talking about private property and you know business owners' rights and stuff like that. Wegmans could refuse service. Wegmans could have security escort someone out. They could do those things and they are choosing not to. And according to that statement, this is done at the corporate level. So that's just so so disappointing. Uh, it repre- again, it represents a symptom. It represents the fact that mask wearing, regardless of whether or not you believe in efficaciousness, you should, by the way, but regardless of whether or not you do, there are some people that for some reason choose not to wear a mask. They choose to not believe the science or own the libs or whatever it is they choose to do, whatever, whatever logic they use to not wear a mask. There is a group of those people. And Wegmans would rather not alienate those people or refuse them service then protect everybody else and that is so 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 disgusting and disappointing to me yeah and i i I have less sympathy for wegmans and other places because they're a big national chain with resources they're also an essential business so they although i'm sure they've been dealing with troubles with the pandemic it's not like they're not selling any more groceries any let you know they're not it's not like they can't sell grocery, they're shut down. Or they're like a retail store who has to be open at like 10% capacity. You know, they're an essential business, so they they have been in business. Yeah. And have you ever been to the Market Basket in Somerville? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I've always loved it because it feels like the Wild West in there. Right, but there's always a sheriff. They, they just because it's crazy at that particular Market Basket, they pay for a police officer to be there. Whenever it's open. That's right. And And actually, the Wegmans in Medford, which is Medford, Massachusetts, which is not the Wild West, like my beloved Somerville Market Basket, also has uniformed police. At least one. I've seen two sometimes. I mean, yeah, you need if it's the Wild West, you need a sheriff like it just it blows my mind. And, And you're right. That's an incredibly important point here. This is an essential service. They are a big company. There are all of these reasons why they should take a firmer stance, but they choose not to. Now, there is a world, there is a world in which I could imagine, say, a a small toy store owner in a red town in a deep red state. Not that I want to paint with a broad brush and say that all Republicans don't wear masks or anything like that, but Let's say there's a there's a small locally owned store in a town in a county that is very anti-mask. They don't believe the science or whatever reason. You could walk around and see people unmasked everywhere. 
if that store owner looked around and said, geez, if I enforce a mask mandate, I'm going to get angry letters. I might get a death threat. I might be you know, called horrible names. And my business that I have invested my life savings in is going to close. I entirely get that really grim calculus. But Wegmans does not have to make that calculus. Wegmans could choose to enforce the masks and make them completely mandatory. Excuse me, would you like a mask? No. All right, we're going to ask you to leave. Well, I'm not leaving. This is America. All right, we're going to go ahead and bring a police officer over. Stay right where you are. That's what should happen in all instances at Wegmans. The fact that it is not and the fact that your statement proves that this is discussed and settled on at the corporate level, I just can't tell you how how upsetting that is. That just really, really, really sucks. I I expected better. Here's some more disappointing news, according to Robert Harding. He uh, attended a health board meeting uh, by the county. They're the people that do the consent orders. And an official said that the company's policy was that they're not responsible for their customers. And, uh, and this part's, you know, this is hearsay, but the county official said, you know, they, they were surprised because they always thought Wegmans was a, was a good corporate citizen and that they had a conversation with someone at Wegmans corporate office based on that discussion discussion. She offered the assessment. I just don't think they believe in it. That's the bottom line. And then later there's a picture of what purports to be Trevor Wegman, uh, the head of Wegmans, except I'm not going to use his real name, at the entrance of the flagship store, you know, talking within, I don't know, just about three feet from other people with his mask dangling from his ear. And I think you and I, were we're very positive people. And one of the reasons why we do this podcast is because we we like, oh, you know what? Well, let's be positive about something that we really like. We both really like Wegmans. But, you know, we are brushing up against the limits of capitalism fanboying you know, yeah. to a certain extent. Like we, by all accounts, this company in prior to this has been a good corporate citizen treating its employees in the, with, with its employees, with its community, with its customers. And this is just, just seems baffling to me. Yeah. I, I my, my take on it, you know, and here, here's the thing is we are, very, very justified in our disappointment in this. Uh, But it's also a reminder that when you're talking about any for-profit business, all right, quick, quick MBA lesson for everybody uh, so that no one has to go get an MBA themselves. I'm going (laughs) to boil it all down for you. There are, um, there are two general theories about how to, to run a company. There is the shareholder theory and the stakeholder theory. Um, or the stockholder and the the stakeholder. Um, The stockholder or or shareholder theory is that your number one goal, the thing you should do is earn money for your investors. If you want to do a good thing, if you want to do a virtuous thing, feel free. But you're doing it not out of the goodness of your heart, but you're doing it because your reputation of being a good citizen, of treating your employees well, is meant to make you more money. Pay someone more than minimum wage? Great. You're not doing it out of the goodness of your heart. You're doing it so that you can maintain good talent and reduce uh, employee turnover. 
um, offer uh, health benefits and uh, and college savings plans. Again, you're not doing it because you are a paragon of virtue. You're doing it because it's going to make you more money at the end of the day. So that's the that's the the, the shareholder theory. The the stakeholder theory is the exact opposite. It means that it is the goal of any corporate entity to enrich not just the people that own it, but enrich the area where it is. If you are a local toy store, you are giving people dental benefits, not just because it'll maintain your employee happiness and morale, but you're doing it because it's just the right thing to do. You're just an you're an ethical company. You want to do right by people. And that is its own reward. There are decisions you make that are not just for the bottom line. So, you know, one company that that has kind of shareholder theory and one company that has uh, stakeholder theory, they could both say donate a million dollars to the March of Dimes, but they're doing it for very different reasons. And so within the context of this decision, you have to wonder what Wegmans really is. Why yeah. are they good I, corporate citizens? Why do they keep hitting the top of these lists? You know? Yeah, I mean, I I think this is a specifically within the grocery business. Like, there's a reason why this is not the Shaw's or the Star Market podcast. Because, at least from the outside, it appears that businesses like Wegmans, like Market Basket, and remember there's that big thing about uh, trying to remove the CEO because the CEO was, was going more for the stakeholder theory than the uh than the stockholder theory mm-hmm. and they were trying to and the board was trying to remove them and then there was a massive strike to keep them you know it was like you know it's like before i left boston so maybe back in 2014 and and you know people were livid because they were trying to move market basket more more to shaw's land than to than what they were doing was being a stakeholder company so you know does this question how we view wegmans or is this just a terrible blind spot that they have just due to maybe them being an upstate New York company. Yeah. I mean, there are so many different reasons why, like it could be, it could be that the owners of Wegmans genuinely don't believe that the coronavirus is a threat. They genuinely think that it is a fabrication of the media meant to erode support of the GOP or whatever it is. They could genuinely believe that. Or they could say, um, we do not want to put our employees at risk from an irate and belligerent com- uh, customer. Or, you know, some, the director of communications had, had an agenda or, you know, the VP of the customer experience had an agenda that ran counter to other senior leadership. Like there are so many different paths to this decision that Wegman's could have taken. But, you know, the fact of the matter is it just, it, it erodes trust in why they're doing it. Um, what What's really, really hard about doing like a, a fan podcast of, of an entity is, you know, we're put in a position where, you know, it almost feels to us, well, it doesn't feel to me necessarily, but it, it could feel like we we are in a position where we must defend their decisions. But again, you know, we just like the groceries. <laughs> you know, and and on and top the hot of food. And the hot, the hot food. food. Oh my god, the hot food. And so it's one of those things where, 
you know, we like the groceries, we like the hot food, we like the experience. Uh, all the people that work in the stores are super nice and they enjoy being there and they treat their employees pretty well. There are all these different reasons to like the place, but ultimately it is still a company. It's not a nonprofit, it's not a charity, it's a company. And so that kind of puts us into the position of like, you know, the million different podcasts about Walt Disney, you know, like, uh, you know, Walt did like the, the Disney world is open for business for heaven's sake. God. And so you've got these, <laughs> you've got these super positive podcasters in, in the Disney verse that are like talking about, they're doing like, Hey, here's the new rides podcast. Hey, here's the Epcot food podcast. And at the same time, it's like, oh, yeah, this company is like unethically squeezing profits out of a profoundly ill populace and increasing the odds of a super spreader event happening on their property. So it's it's uh, it's really hard to be a fan of uh, it's hard to be a fan of anything when when you live in a capitalist society. Because, you know, what's the old adage? Never meet your heroes. Yeah, I feel like we're meeting our hero here and it's. you know, leaving much to be desired. Yeah, like we we invented Trevor Wegman as a joke of the person that makes bad ideas within the Wegmans family, but mm-hmm. uh, apparently he's real. Yeah, Tre- Trevor. So, and here's here's the heartbreaking thing: Trevor Wegman must exist in the heart of all of the Wegmans. <laughs> it's not just one person. It's Trevor Wegman is not just you know that one you know that one cousin that you know, spent his 20s on a yacht in Monaco and then just comes back to the shareholder meetings and makes stupid decisions. No, there's like every Wegmans executive has like 5% Trevor Wegman in them. Like a little time bomb waiting to go off and risk people's health. And that sucks. (laughs) Well, this has been Weg News. Weg News. Weg News. All right, John, pick us up out of this funk. It's time for the favorite part of the episode. John Serpico gives you the review. Sure. So the review this week is uh, on something... You know, it it's it's so hard for me to keep my keep my spirits high and just give a review. So I was trying to think of something positive and banal. And so what I will say is this: my review this week is of the Wegman's uh, pet care section generally. Uh, that is to say, all of the things you can buy at Wegman's for your cats and dogs. So my review is is really this. Now, I have two cats. One is very young. His name is Junior. One is very old. His name is Grandpa. And, you know, Wegmans has a big enough selection of cat food, both wet and dry, cat litter, cat toys, cat nail clippers, that I don't need to go to Target to buy stuff for my cats. I can just do it as part of my Wegmans experience. Okay, so so yeah, in my local grocery store, you know, there's like, first of all, it's very preferential towards dog. My wife calls it the anti-cat propaganda. 
Mm. You know, the, the your normal is like half an aisle of pet stuff and most of that being dog food. So this is so this seems like you're like it's like a mini Petco with inside Wegmans. Yeah, it it's like. it's a very, you know, it's not a full aisle or anything. It's it's kind of a quarter aisle. It's across the, the one that I go to is across from like the paper goods and and, and things like that. But they've got a variety of, of food for both cats and dogs. And I think that both uh, both types of pets are represented about equally in terms of shelf space. One thing that, that I am curious about is, is the ratio of cat stuff to dog stuff different based on where the Wegmans is? Hmm. So, you know, Somerville is, uh, you know, the, the Wegmans I go to is in Medford, Massachusetts. I'm next door in Somerville, Massachusetts. Somerville, Massachusetts is one of the most densely populated cities in the United States. It's not very big, but it is incredibly dense. I think it's the eighth densest in the country. And so, you know, the the Wegmans that services Somerville is in Medford. And, you know, if you're in a densely populated area, gotta it, go cat. You, you got to go cat. You know, it means that your your square footage is smaller. You're not living on a, a farm with a lot of land. And so if you're trying to decide what to put in your 400 square foot apartment, you're probably going cat, which means that there is a greater demand for cat food and cat litter, which means that any nearby grocery store worth its salt will put more cat stuff on the shelf than dog stuff. But I think at the Wegmans in Medford, it's about a 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, you know... It's not just like like the weird off-brand cat toys and stuff that you would get at, you know, a convenience store in a beach town. That's like, oh, that's just a, <laughs> that's a ball of asbestos. That's cool. Cats will like that. You know, th- these are this is a a curated selection of of things. So what I want to do, if I can, you know, work up the nerve to go back to Wegmans anytime soon is, you know, go to one a little further out in the suburbs and see how the pet aisle is divided between cat and dogs, uh, cats and dogs in a less populous neighborhood. Is there a particular product, whether it be food or uh, toy or treat, that you've gotten at Wegmans that uh, Junior and Grandpa, and, you know, we, your friends have really come on the side that we should call the, call the cat JR, but... Anyway, yeah, yeah. This is this is something. It'll still take some convincing for me to. Uh, no, move. wasn't it Serpico Junior Junior? So we wanted to call him JJ. That's what it was. We wanted yeah, to call him JJ. yeah. Uh, so I mean, his full name is John Serpico Junior. Uh, but you know, J- Jr. does have a nice. I mean, it has that Dallas ring to it, and I just don't know if I I want to. You know, we also have a friend named Jr. So that'd be weird if you started calling your cat Jr. Yeah, that's tricky. That is tricky. Though I do have. Uh, a couple of friends of mine named a cat after another friend of mine, just so that they could say things like, it's like, oh, you know, like, let, let's say his name was like Mike Thompson. Oh, you'll never guess what Mike Thompson did. Mike Thompson accidentally pooped and there was a little bit of poop stuck to his butt. And then he meatloafed on the couch. And then you tag actual Mike Thompson on Facebook. <laughs> Everyone has a laugh. Uh, so, oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to get my next pet, who I'm going to name Beanuts. Oh my god! I it's like, uh, you'll never believe it. Beanuts got locked outside <laughs> again. He spent the whole night what? crying. 
But I would believe that story about our friend Beanuts or a cat. Like, if you just posted online, ugh, Beanuts chewed through the garden hose again, I'd be like, <laughs> oh, man, come on, Beanuts, you know better. <laughs> Sorry, I took us off track. No, that's uh, all right. is, is there a particular uh, yes. treat, toy, or food that your cat likes? So for reasons we don't have time to get into... Both Grandpa and Junior need a Fancy Feast wet cat food. And the problem with Fancy Feast is they have 10 different varieties. Like, you don't just, like, open up a can and it's like, oh, there's, like, a salmon paste. And, oh, there's a turkey paste. And, oh, there's a beef paste. Like, they have all these different flavors, but the texture is super important. And there are, like, 20 different kinds of textures. Oh, and, my God. Yeah. My cat has gone through the same thing. We used to get here really expensive cat food for older cats and she has just stopped eating it and will only eat gravy lovers fancy feasts there you go yeah we uh we get the classic pate and mix it with water but yeah it's gravy lovers is the same thing and like you can have like the salmon gravy lovers and the grilled salmon and like the cat (laughs) will eat one but not the other yeah so it's a texture thing for them it's almost like they they care less about flavor than the texture and at the Wegmans near me, they have a tremendous variety of the classic pâtés. So every time I go there, I buy cans and cans and cans of it, and uh, and it works out well. The problem, though, is since I'm I'm using Instacart more these days, is you know if you have someone, yeah, if the substitutions. If you have someone shopping for you, uh, and you're not sitting right by your phone for them to text you, they'll be like, hey the 60 cans of beef pate that you wanted are not available. I got you 60 cans of, you know, flaked chicken pat of like flaked. And I'm like, Oh no, that's $50 of just crap. My cats won't eat now. So you have to be, you have to really be quick on the trigger if they, you know, if they do a substitution, but you know, that's, that's only happened once or twice. And Wegmans is usually very well stocked when it comes to uh, various cat items. All right, well, that sounds like a positive review. Mm-hmm. As positive as I could make it. <laughs> uh, now it's time for the burning question. Every episode, we take on the burning question for you to consider and discuss amongst yourself or with us on Twitter and Facebook. So the burning question this week is, should we still do still be doing this? Do you still want to do this? Oh, Marcelo, I hoped you wouldn't ask the burning question. <laughs> That's that's the burning question for me. I'm very excited about our next episode, which is actually going to be Wegman's free content. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a little deviation, which we actually had planned before I knew about this Twitter thread. So I'm excited about that one. And then, I don't know, what do yeah, you do? we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. You know, I think the, the, the reason for us to exist is to talk about Wegman's or Wegman's adjacent topics. Uh, you know, the, the annoying thing about this terrible business decision is it, it will from time to time change the tenor of our show. And by from time to time, I mean, maybe all the time. So, you know, the question is, should we be doing this? I'd say yes, but I I think it changes things a little bit. You know, we, instead of consistently using Wegmans as an exemplar for good business practices and how to treat your employees and how to cultivate a good brand, we have to look at it as a 
series of examples, neither positive nor negative, about the decisions that a large company makes. So instead of just being cheerleaders for a place with a great hot food section, we can now look at things and say, okay, you know, Wegmans did this. Is it good or bad? If it's good or bad, what does that teach us about retail? What does that teach us about the world in general? So I think our mandate now is to become, you know, political and social commentators using Wegmans as a gateway to heavy intellectual discourse. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a way less fun podcast. Oh my God, okay. it's going to be the worst. <laughs> We're going to lose our tens of listeners. Damn it. Come on, listeners. Just hang with us. You'll learn something. We swear. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been Weg Fans, the unaffiliated Wegmans, sober, gimlet-eyed podcast. <laughs> This episode has been produced and edited by me because we have no budget. <laughs> uh, Marcelo, you are truly the voice of reason. All of our music was composed and performed by the great band Minus World. Check they... them out at MinusWorldBand.com or on Facebook at MinusWorldBand. They are the voices of justice. And of course, big thanks to Dan Chapman for wishing this podcast into existence. He is the voice of righteousness. Want more WegFans in your life? Follow us on Facebook at WegFansPodcast or Twitter at Weg underscore fans and our email is WegFansPodcast at gmail.com. To get new episodes automatically, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please rate and review us. That's all for this week. Say goodbye to the people, John. Goodbye to the people, John, and dear God, just wear a mask. Don't make it a big thing. Just wear one on your faces. Just cover your nose and your mouth, please, and we'll try and get through this together, healthy, and happier. <laughs>